Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car, but I had to. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there, and thanks for joining us once again for Monsters Who Murder. Let's bring in the expert. She's a true crime best-selling writer. She is known as the serial killer whisperer. Did you know she's actually a criminologist? Amanda Howard, this is your this is your backyard. It certainly is. Just don't go digging too deep, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know where the skeletons are uh, buried. (laughs) Hey, look, our psychological profile is on Jennifer Pan. This is an interesting one, Amanda, and one that actually came from a listener to the podcast. It's a Canadian case of a woman who tried to have her parents killed, succeeded in killing one, but it's a twisted tale, isn't it? It certainly is, and um, I every so often on the on the Facebook groups, I do put it out there saying, "What case do you guys want to hear?" Because I have, as well as we know, I have uh, seasons to you know, like twenty thirty five or something, re- mm. ready to go. But every so often, I think, no, nothing is sort of inspiring me. I want a challenge case, and so Kirsten was act- actually the one that said, "Let's do Jennifer Pan." I thought, yeah, I've got hours of her interrogation it's about 15 hours i think in total i promise this isn't going to be like a a 15 episode uh season but i think we have a few uh see episodes to come with this one because there is so much to go through and this episode it just sort of sets us up for some quite shocking details to come well, it's a good suggestion by Kirsten, who is a long-time listener to the podcast and has been very supportive. We love Kirsten, so yes. thank you for that. <laughs> that is all ahead in this edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. In the meantime, let's get into the news. Because there have been shocking scenes in the US this week, with a 12-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl alleged to have engaged in a shootout in Florida. NBC News has the video, which really does have to be seen to be believed. This jaw-dropping scene starts with Florida deputies taking cover behind a tree. It's either a shotgun or a long gun. Female has it in her hand. Juvenile male looks like he has something in his hand as well. And it quickly escalated. Put the gun down now! Point the gun. Point the gun behind the trash can. The stunning 90-minute sequence released as an edited nine-minute video by the Volusia County Sheriff's Department. Where have we gone wrong that 12-year-old and 14-year-old think it's okay to take on law enforcement. The deputies responding to a 911 call from a nearby group home, which reported the kids had run away. Authorities say the kids then broke into a nearby home where they found hundreds of rounds of ammunition, a handgun, a shotgun, and according to the homeowner, an unassembled AK-47. The weapon was disassembled. 
They assembled it and fired it. Sheriff Mike Chitwood says deputies spent 45 minutes trying to contact the children before the gunfire started. Don't let me do this. Don't do this. Police say the kids fired several times from a patio window, with the boy telling investigators the 14-year-old girl likened the shooting to the video game Grand Theft Auto. But when they challenged deputies outside, law enforcement says they were forced to fire, striking the girl around seven times. Get up on her, get up on her. Gray, you get that rifle. Before rushing to save her life. This video blurred by the department. We did everything they could to prevent either of these kids from getting injured. I, I am so proud of, of what they did. They did everything humanly possible and above and beyond. Well, as we heard, the girl was seriously hurt in the shootout, but has since appeared in court via video link from her hospital bed. Authorities are saying she could be charged as an adult. She'll be held until after her hearing on June 23. Oh, Amanda, there's so much wrong here. Even the easy access they had to these guns. But when it really comes to teen development, is there an understanding of the consequences they might face because of their actions? I mean, basically, I'm, I guess I'm asking, is it fair for her to be tried as an adult if they decide to do that? I'm always perplexed that they do this in the US, that the age of majority is 18 in, in the US. And I checked that today. It used to be 21. It's been reduced to 18 for many, many decades now. That if, if we have a line in the sand, why do we decide this one's going to be tried as an adult, even though she's 14, and this one's going to be tried as a child? I think we, we have this line purely so then we know if they're adults or children, and I don't understand why they keep doing this. Regardless of, of the heinous crimes they do, these are still children. They are under the age of 18. As you said, there's brain development. There's, there's all sorts of things going on. Yes, every child isn't out there assembling ak 4 and shooting them and they always say it's an AK-47. Well, how did they Friends know get... to do that? When you look at these pictures here, Amanda, and, you know, it's hard for people on the audio podcast, I know, but you heard the report, you can get a sense of it. Yeah. We're watching grown men scared. You know, we heard the police officer saying, don't do this, as he pointed his gun. These yeah. officers are right now charging up to these kids and firing their weapons. The girl was hit seven times. Despite yeah, their age, this is scary stuff for the people on the other side having to deal with this. It is, and I've seen that there's been a lot of arguments online about, you know, if these were black teens instead of white teens, would this have gone down very differently? You know, they seem to shoot first and ask questions. That, that is a fair question, to be honest. It is, but um, I don't want to go into that because this is a different police uh, unit than it was in the other cases that sure. was different to the George Floyd case. Yeah. And so we're looking at these guys and we hear basically that officer is praying, saying, please don't do this. He mm. does not want to shoot a kid. And he's treating those people as children they are children they should yep. not be charged as adults regardless they know it's wrong you know 10 year olds know it's wrong but that doesn't mean that we should try them as an adult because they've done something that would be considered an adult crime i mean most people don't commit these crimes so it's it's a very unique thing that's happened but the fact that they keep doing this and these children i mean at, at the museum i have a whole section on jesse pomeroy now he he uh killed and tortured three children when he was 15 years of age right he spent 60 years in jail like yeah yeah. So you let know, me. I did stupid things as 15. Yeah. I, we, we, I mean, God, we've all done stupid yeah. things at 15. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I befriended but these you. Children are from, um, yeah, yeah, but these children are from group homes. There, there is issues with these children already. You know, we don't know what life they've had. We don't know what has led them to this point. The fact that they can fire a gun, I mean, that's what... that. It is a country, and I'm going to get hate mail, and God, I get so much of it. America prefers guns to, to, to human lives. I think everyone can see that, and a lot of Americans can see that too. But until yeah. people have a right over guns rather than rights for guns, I think we're not going to see a shift, and we're going to see things like this happen. And this is why children can pick up an AK-47 and, and assemble it, because it's, it's, it's natural over there. Yeah, I mean... Very serious discussion, although you did miss a classic joke on my part when I said we've oh, all I'm made sorry. mistakes at 15. I befriended you. That oh. was mine. It was hilarious <laughs> in the moment. But sorry. I have to explain it because it's in there. And people, <laughs> you just run roughshod over sorry, me. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, when I saw this going down, I was just so frustrated. And then they go, yeah, we're going to um, treat them as adults. I just, it's, yeah, I... I know, and and yeah. this is the thing, you know, like I, I tend to agree with you that they shouldn't be charged as adults, but lives were put in danger. They were shooting at people. I don't know the answer here. No. I can't believe that we're actually showing this story as something that actually happened. It blows my mind. Look, let's move on because there is a lot to cover in today's edition. Because a Pennsylvania serial killer in jail since the 1970s has confessed to six more murders, according to authorities. Former trucker Edward Shuret, who's now 79, has been a suspect in those killings and a number of other cold cases in the Keystone State and neighbouring Ohio. In March, Surratt finally confessed to Pennsylvania State Police from behind bars in Florida, where he's serving out two life sentences. Amanda, tell me a little bit more about this guy. Well, Surratt, I, I, well, I, I'll start by saying every time you throw a case like this at me, I have to check my database to make sure that they're in it and that this guy was as well because it wasn't a name I actually knew. But Surratt yeah. has actually been in jail since the late 70s for a one murder and a couple of assaults and burglaries. Now, he was given a life sentence for that um, and was released. And so then he was out then free to kill again and he killed again in 2008. And he was set free. And so then he's actually oh. killed again now. And because he has um, all these life sentences going back now, he's actually decided to first he actually confessed in 2007 to six more um, and he was released in 2008. We'll go there. Um, and they didn't charge him with that because he was apparently serving a life sentence at the time. So now he's actually come forward again for a second time. So there's 12 murders he has confessed to. And the only reason that he's doing this is because he wants to get a better deal in a different state so ah yeah so uh, well i was about to ask th there's a couple of issues here the fact that someone can kill and keep being released to kill again um what makes someone like this and and you've alluded to that why do they confess is it just for a better deal is it because they want to get it off their chest chest why do they confess I mean, there's all different reasons, but what we're seeing is is this is a guy who, when he's been moved between prisons, he's actually tried to escape. So him saying, look, I'm going to confess to these cases and we're going to go out bush and I'm going to show you where they are. Granted, at 78, he's probably not going to run very far, but if you get the opportunity, you're going to take it, and he has definitely taken the opportunity a few times. So the fact that he's now saying, you know, take me out bush and I'll show you where I've buried them, they've decided that 
they're not going to do that. They're not going to pursue these charges. They're just going to let them lie. They are from like 1976 to 78, most of these cases. But yeah, he, he first confessed to an extra six purely because he didn't want to be in Florida where it's hot and sweaty and awful in, in prison. Not that any prison's nice, but he wanted to go to South Carolina because he, he could get a sweeter deal there. So, I mean, there's always this, this give and take that happens. And the fact that they said, okay, thanks for those confessions. We're not going to do anything. You're 78. You're not going to see inside a courtroom in the next 10 years anyway um they've just got god yeah gee thanks and we'll just add that to your tally but there's nothing else because he does have a life sentence plus 200 years so he's, mm. he's not going anywhere fast okay let's move on because police believe a man who was arrested over an armed robbery could in fact be a serial killer as cbs philly reports investigators believe keith gibson has killed on multiple occasions Sources in the Philadelphia Police Department say earlier today a serial killer was taken off the street. Now the exact volume of charges that a man named Keith Gibson could be facing, still unknown at this point, it is still too preliminary. Now in the last 72 hours, sources say Gibson is responsible for gunning down a 19-year-old on the streets of Wilmington. That teen is in extremely critical condition. Gibson is also accused of holding up a female worker at a Rite Aid in Newcastle County and pistol whipping her. The extent of her injuries is unknown. Images of Gibson began widely circulating after a fatal shooting Sunday morning at a Dunkin' Donuts in the city of Philadelphia. Detectives say Christine Lugo, a mother and that store's manager, was fatally shot after she cooperated with Gibson as he was robbing her. She was just opening the store for business when detectives say she was ambushed. Behind the scenes, the case must have had similarities for investigators because they've since tied Gibson to the fatal shooting of a worker at a T-Mobile store in Ellesmere, Delaware, from May 15th was the date of that homicide. That's when detectives say Leslie Lizette Ruiz Basilio was killed. Again, both of those killings very similar in nature. Now, police sources have also pinned a murder from February 8th that happened in the 4200 block of Ridge Avenue in the city of Philadelphia. Now, in that case, the victim, Gibson's own mother, according to Phil. Philadelphia police sources. Wow, his own mother. Amanda, how do police find these patterns from all these different cases? Well, I mean, we often look at patterns because we talk about sexual serial killers and those that sort of have a type of, of victim have these sexual fantasies that they actually then create as a real killing. But mm -hmm. what we have here is a guy on CCTV, so it makes it a lot easier to find the same perpetrator for all of these different cases. Granted, his mother's death is very different, but often when someone is uh, on a, a spree like this, they actually do kill people that get in their way, and she may have done that. Um, so because he's actually sort of robbing Dunkin' Donuts and places like that, and then uh, beating or shooting the uh, store clerks, it's it, it has its own pattern, but because these things might be linked to other robberies, they do go into looking at CCTV. And as we know, it doesn't have to be in that store. It can be with three streets down because they sure. can tell which way the person's actually walked. So for these sorts of cases, it's not like that 
profiling, you know, did he shoot with this hand or did he, you know, come flying in the back door or, or something like that. It's more basically about the visual evidence that they actually find. And then, of course, we have um, the, the same gun used, so they were able to uh, check the different bullet casings to see if they match as well. And so this is uh, one of those cases which is a lot easier. But, yeah, it, it is a serial killer case because he has killed multiple times, but it's not that sort of most generalised term of a serial killer being, you know, your Ted Bundy's and things like that. Gotcha. Um, all right. Well, thank you for that. Don't forget, you can watch this audio podcast as a video podcast just by going to mwm.uscreen.io. There, we're doing the whole thing where you can watch Amanda and I. You can watch the confessions of these serial killers and you can see the news items in all related vision. We're working hard to make sure each story is told in a visual way. Just go to mwm.uscreen.io to see what it's all about. And seeing being the operative word, isn't it, Amanda? It certainly is because it, it just gives an extra layer to the analysis. And so everyone is watching crime docos and, and they're getting their Amanda Howard brain on is what they're calling it. But being able to actually see it mm. live as I describe it, I think it's, it's helping a lot of people to understand a lot of different human behaviour. Absolutely. All right. In a moment, our psychological profile on Jennifer Pan. You're watching and listening to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. This week, we turn to Canada for a case requested by one of our listeners. Our psychological profile is on Jennifer Pan, who was convicted in 2010 for hiring killers to kill her parents. The daughter of Chinese immigrants, Jennifer resented the way she had been brought up. She considered them to be what is now known as tiger parents, a term used to describe parents who continue to force their children to meet high expectations. At the age of four, they forced her to take up the piano, which was then quickly followed by figure skating lessons and later the flute. Her father, Han, was the more demanding of the two, but her mother, Bitch, was also part of the parenting plan. Her scheduled life was socially isolating for Jennifer, who was never allowed to go to social events at the school and dating boys was prohibited. Amanda, tell me a little bit about her early life. Well, in her early school years, she actually maintained really good grades, which was what was expected of her. But as she actually matured, she started to sort of fall behind a bit and uh, she would actually go on to forge her school reports. And so, you know, if she was getting C's and D's, she would actually create ones that said A, so then her parents oh. would believe that she was still maintaining that good grades. However, as she matured and in later high school, she began to really fail and one of her final exams in calculus, she actually 
actually did fail it. So that meant that her uh, her early admission to Ryerson University was actually taken back from her because, you know, she had to pass high school and she didn't. Mm. So, you know, but it was just interesting that she was doing all of these things to try and hide these failures from her parents. Right. But her lies didn't end there, did they? No, well, because she was actually faking going to Ryerson, she actually decided to change and say that she was going to Toronto University because then she could actually travel and be away from the family home as much as she possibly could. So then that sort of gave her this this extra ruse that she decided to take up and say, well, it's too far to travel to Toronto every single day. I'm going to stay with a fellow student at the university or just off campus and I will come home on the weekends. And though her parents sort of didn't want her to do that, they sort of un- uh, understood the lo- logistics of it but what they didn't know was this was actually just another ruse of hers and she was actually uh living with her boyfriend daniel wong so um it's just interesting how these sort of lies just continue to spin and spin well in 2010 following the completion of her pharmacology degree 23 year old jennifer told her parents that she had begun working at a children's hospital However, her mother became suspicious and decided to follow Jennifer to work, only to discover her ruse. On returning home, Jennifer's parents uncovered the truth, from her failure to complete high school through to her university lies, and of course, they discovered the existence of her boyfriend, Daniel. Jennifer was essentially grounded. Her parents forbid her from seeing Daniel, and she was only to leave the house to teach piano lessons. Though still seeing her boyfriend in secret, Daniel soon grew weary of the restrictions and broke it off with Jennifer. So, Amanda, this is where it all started to collapse, isn't it? Well, it was. So Jennifer sort of felt that, as, as you said, her world was collapsing around her and she wanted out. So she then discovered that actually Daniel had a new girlfriend. So she sort of had this extra uh, contention against her affections for him. And so though she was still seeing Daniel sporadically, um, she sort of told him that maybe if she got rid of her parents, she would inherit half a million dollars and then maybe they could be together and they wouldn't have the issues of the parents being around. And so so she actually spoke to another school friend, uh, Andrew Montemeyer, who actually said that um, maybe he can help and maybe they had some friends that that could be involved. And for $100,000, they're happy to sort of take her parents out. Okay, well, late in the evening of November 8, 2010, Jennifer unlocked the front door of the family home before retiring to bed. Three men then entered the home. Each was armed and soon took the family hostage, demanding all of the money kept in the house. Jennifer's parents were taken to the basement where they were shot multiple times. Jennifer was left tied up but unharmed. Jennifer's mother would die from her injuries. Her father, Han, survived. In the early hours of the next morning, Jennifer knew her parents had just been shot and she assumed they were dead. But then she discovered her father had survived. Now, we're about to pick up at the first police interrogation. Amanda, please set the scene for us here. Well, this is probably the tiniest interrogation room I've ever seen. So it is about an arm's length in in width. And we have Jennifer sort of sitting front row centre of of the camera. She's actually wearing a massively baggy white uh, jumper and her hands are actually sort of tucked in underneath her. She's wearing glasses. She has her hair in a very long black plait and she doesn't look 23. She looks very, very young. And she sort of sits there almost as 
almost solid frozen just just not moving at all and mm. the officer who is um randy slade which is a fantastic name he sounds like a 70s porn star but i'm not going there. <laughs> um, you could have said 70s detective but sure porn star <laughs> But I don't know. Randy Slade's just a, a great name. Um, but anyway, he actually walks in. He's dressed very well in a in a nice suit, and he doesn't even acknowledge her. He actually sort of stands there, and he's playing with a recorder in in his hands, and he throws a notepad down on 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 the desk as he's about to begin. She looks at the notepad, but it's actually blank. And but she doesn't look up at him as he sort of sits down and sort of does all of this stuff. So he's actually come in as um as very stoic. You know, usually we've seen them, they come in, they go hi how you going you know we're just going to go through this but he just sort of walks in and does his own thing totally not acknowledging her at all of what's going on mm. well look it's important to note that this is still a few hours after the event so he sits down as it begins but as we're noting he doesn't actually yet suspect she's the person behind the home invasion this clip we're about to show is quite lengthy but it's important for us to see all of it so that we can talk about it afterwards. Have a look. So today's the 9th of November, 2010. It's now on my watch, 2.44 a.m. Um, you're in a room right now that's uh, video being video and audio recorded. This is a digital audio recorder. And the reason I have that there is um, it's more of a fail-safe that if something was to happen to the video system and recording that I have another, it may not be a video, but I have a digital audio recording of what we're, we're going to speak to speak about. Um, we're again, we're at five district. I want to go through a form with you. It may seem kind of, you know, why you're doing this, but um, this is a, it's, it's like you're, you're swearing to tell the truth about what you're going to talk to me about. And it's also going to explain to you the, um, the penalties for not telling the truth. I don't expect you not to help me, but for a homicide investigation, anyone who's very close to the investigation, we do this with. Okay, so this isn't suspecting that you're not going to tell the truth. This is more of a feature that you understand the importance of telling the complete truth. Okay, that's all I ask for. But so this form, please don't take it personal. Okay, but it's something we go through with everyone. Okay, if you have any questions about the form, so I'm going to read this form to you. Then someone's going to come in here with either a Bible or a firm, whatever your choice is, that whatever you tell will be the truth. Okay, and then from that point, I'm going to go on and we're going to ask questions. Okay, so first off, I want you to uh, identify identify yourself. Speak loudly. There are uh, there are mics in here. I just now with the, this is a new room for me. I don't know where they are, but I need to hear a nice, clear voice. So if you can identify yourself for me. My name is Jennifer Pan. Can you spell your last name, Jennifer? P-A-N, Pan. Pan. Okay, do you understand that everything um, that is being said in this room is being videotaped, audio recorded, and digitally audio recorded? Yes. I would like, um, I ask you to introduce yourself, which you already have, and that you consent to this uh, tape uh, being made. Uh, my name is Randy Slade. I introduced myself to you at the hospital. My badge number is 531, and I'm a member of the York Regional Police Homicide Unit. 
monitoring this statement right right here in the next room okay is uh, Trevor Byard his badge number is 1446 as I indicated when this tape started that it today is Tuesday the ninth day of November 2010 and the time when I started was 244 in the morning. We're presently at five district in the town of Markham in the regional municipality of York. Um, is there anything uh, is there anything I need to know in order to understand your statement? And that means is, is there, do, you, do you suffer from any physical or mental condition, use of alcohol, drugs, or anything of any concerns that would influence your ability to give me a statement? No. Um, we are investigating a murder. Okay, and you're aware of who it is. It's um, the murder of your mom. And uh, can you can you tell me what your mom's name is? My mother's name is Big Ha Pan. Big Ha Pan. As a part of our investigation into the offense, I would like to interview on videotape and under oath or solemn affirmation or solemn doc, uh, declaration. It is my obligation to advise you of certain information before we commence this statement. You may be a witness in the court concerning the events you are about to describe in your statement. If at any time you change your statement or claim not to remember the events, the content of this video statement you now give may be used as evidence in court. Do you understand? Yes. I do. I'm going to get you some Kleenex in a second, okay? You you have nothing to apologize to me for, Jennifer. I I, uh, I, I it's going to be tough, but you know the importance of this statement, okay? But don't you have nothing to apologize to me about? I'm here to help you, okay? Um, it is also my obligation to advise you that fabricating evidence, this stuff is the penalties for lying, as I explained to you earlier. Fabricating evidence with the intent to mislead is an offense under Section 137 of the Criminal Code. If you give a false statement under oath, you may be charged with fabricating evidence. If convicted of fabricating evidence, you may be sentenced up to 14 years in jail. It is also an offense under Section 139 of the Criminal Code to obstruct by willfully attempting to obstruct, pervert, or defeat the course of justice. You may be charged if you obstruct justice. Obstruct justice. If convicted of obstructing justice, you could be sentenced up to 10 years in jail. It is also an offense under Section 140 of the Criminal Code to commit public mischief by causing a police officer to start or continue an investigation by making a false statement that accuses some other person of committing an offense. And you may be charged if you commit public mischief. If convicted of public mischief, you could be sentenced up to five years. If you are charged with one or more of these offenses, this statement may be used in court against you. Do you understand the criminal sanctions of what I have explained to you? Yes. Do you understand the criminal consequences of making a false statement? Yes. Do you understand that it is your choice whether or not to give a statement? Yes. Do you understand the importance of telling the truth? Yes, I do. With respect to this investigation? If you have spoken to any police officer or person in authority in connection with the investigation, I want it clearly understood that I do not want it to influence you in making a, uh, making a statement. Do you understand? Yes. Do you have any questions? So basically, um, just start anew right now. So what, what I've just explained to you is you're here voluntarily to help us. 
that you don't have to talk to us if you don't want to, but the importance of talking to us, and if you're talking to us, the importance of telling the truth. And if you don't tell the truth, there's criminal consequences for not telling the truth. That's all that all that stuff had to deal with. Okay? You can't point the finger at someone else. You can't tell us to go off in a different direction. You just got to tell us the truth. Right, no. Exactly. Exactly. And do you have any questions with respect to what I've just told you? It's just like sitting sometimes like parts come back that I didn't remember when I spoke. No one is. And that's the process. This is going to be a long process. This is an initial statement from you. We may, you know, as you remember other things, you may be asked, you may want to come in and tell us things. Okay. No one is going to tell you how to give us a per give a perfect statement. You just do what the best you can, given the, given what you're dealing with. Okay. Any other questions? Are you prepared to give a statement under oath or solemn affirmation or declaration? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to get I'm going to get there's a commissioner of oaths who's going to come in and deal with this right now with you. Just it's just a filling out of this last portion right here, and I'm going to get you some Kleenex too while while she's talking to you. Okay. Really interesting stuff. Long but important. A couple of things I note before I'm going to come to you. He really doesn't have her down as a suspect at the moment, does he? Not at all. You can tell. This is, well, uh, you have nothing to apologize. Commentary like that. The technique is very different to what we see in the US. Well, let's remember this is Canada. It's very procedural, it's very um, uh, by the book. And this is what I have to get through. This is what we have to do. Very different to the way we've seen the Americans do it. But having said that, she's not a suspect at this point. But yeah. as always, you have already seen some red flags, <laughs> you serial killer whisperer, you. Yeah, well, she's already asking questions. Oh, you know, what happens if I forget something or what happens if, you know, I need to change something? Like, So mm. she's asking questions about her get-out-of-jail-free cards. And he's actually saying, you know, oh, you don't have to worry. You know, you just have to tell me the truth and everything. But as we know, she's coming from a very different angle. She's like, I, I have to make the, this story sound convincing so then they don't look at me as a suspect. And so her doing that, it's just because most people would say, as she did, oh, you know, but I'm probably going to forget things. And and he's like, it's okay. You don't have to be sorry. It, you know, we just have to do this with everyone. We'll do this a couple of times, all this sort of stuff, because they have no plans of her being the person that's done this. Usually a home invasion is usually a random house or the, or it's a targeted. I know that mm. sounds like I'm, I'm covering both bases, but it's Very the much. fact that they... <laughs> They do it to to people that they have beefs with, or they just choose a random house because the doors mm -hmm. open and that sort of stuff. So, so there is those two trains of thought, and that's what they're probably looking at this as. But she also knows that her father has survived. She doesn't know what condition he's currently in, so she doesn't know what he has told them yet. So we know that that story will will come through as well. But you know, slave would already be getting sus with her, sort of trying to make excuses for what she's actually right. going to say but it's very interesting that she's saying all of this because of what she actually does in this testimony that's coming up and i'm not spoiling it oh, this time i promise i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> say it now um it is interesting to me so you are saying that he's going on a journey already in that his antenna might be starting to go up the moment she starts 
worrying about going back over testimony, missing things. Now, is that not yeah. just someone who's trying to make sure that they give the police all the information? Are you, is it really a sign that they're guilty? Yeah, because what's happening is that she wants to make sure it is right. Now, someone who is mm. a victim in a home invasion or, or in any other sort of crime, they're not going to care about what comes out when and how it goes and, you know, I'm probably going to tell you things three times for this section, that time I'm going to forget a whole gap. And, mm. and that happens and people go and they say to you, don't worry, just get it out however you want to. But she's sort of trying to make sure that this is rigid and perfect, but that's also the way that she's been raised but she just sort of seems to be concerned about the lying part of it rather than missing parts of the story gotcha okay well with the formalities out of the road slade sits back down next to jennifer and asks her to describe the day um yesterday probably around nine o'clock in the morning nine nine thirty um my mother she woke me up and she told me that she was going to go to visit my grandfather who was ill and that she was going to go over and pick up my aunt to go. Um, once we stepped out of the house, there were um, a few police officers blocking, barricading the driveway. And so she called me down and when I came down, the officers just said that there was like a gas leak in the area and uh, they were just as precaution evacuating. Before we could walk over to a safer place, they said that um, the evacuation had been moved to somewhere else, so it was safe to go back home. With that, my mom decided for me to stay home, uh, and because I have some piano history stuff that I'm working on, so I was <clears throat> doing that on the computer, played a little piano. I forget what time my mom comes, came home, probably around like three, three thirty. My father came home later than usual. He said that he had forgot to lock a toolbox and he had to turn back, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, he just was home later than usual. Okay. Um, and once he came home, he um, phoned up my uncle and asked him to go to buy a USB pen, I think, just to go shopping with him because my, my uncle doesn't drive. Uh, they left, so my mom had prepared dinner because she was heading to go dancing that night, line dancing. She does it every Monday, and so her and I sat down for dinner first. And then um, well, after my father came home, he did that, and then a friend of mine came over. We do TV night every every so often. So um, my dad, I guess, went up on the computer, as he always does, and I was downstairs with my friend watching movies, and my mom was out uh, dancing. My friend left around nine, I believe. Mm. And then I, I upstairs in my room, called it a night with the TV on, um, talking on the phone with a friend of mine. And then uh, shortly after, my mom came home. I believe that was around 9.30 or so. She was rummaging downstairs. I didn't think anything of it. And then suddenly I just heard my mom calling for my dad to come down and that's when I lowered the volume on my TV and I could hear the voices weren't any voices I was very familiar with. Now this is very interesting to me. There's a lack of emotion but 
we usually say the more they cry, the more guilty they are. We know she's guilty, but <laughs> the emotion isn't there, Amanda. No, there isn't. But she's also a very terrible actress of, of her trying to, to seem like the broken daughter. Um, ah. It's interesting that she keeps looking up at the officer to sort of have him confirm what she's saying. Like she's waiting for him to go, yes, and then, you know, sort of go along like that. He is silent. You are barely going to hear a word out of this guy. He is just going to let her hang herself. So it's just amazing. She is waiting for him to go like you've just done. Yep, right, all of this sort of stuff. It's not happening. He's just sitting there still watching her say all of this. But she's looking up, hoping for a, a, a response. She wants to know that she is sounding convincing. But, you know, he's just saying nothing. But could you imagine the terror she was in that day when the police were barricading the street because there was a gas leak and she knew what was going to happen that night? Mm. I mean, she would have been freaking out that they weren't going to be home and so there was going to be police there and, you know, they're going to try and do this home invasion and the family's not there because they had to leave. So uh, she would have been shitting bricks early on in this day. And that's why she goes, oh, you know, and and mum said I can stay home and she's just going to go out because she needed to make sure the plans were going to happen, that she may need to ring them to say don't come and all of this sort of stuff. So it's interesting that she starts her day so early. Most people would have started around the time that all of this happened, but she's actually going (sighs) from I woke up, I had breakfast. Yeah, right. That's a very interesting point. Because there is also something going on there, isn't there? There is. There, there is so much going on, you know, and, and you know, and normal people would have said that they heard someone's voice, but she's just sort of, you know, I, I didn't understand who these voices were or, or whatever she said. It wasn't like, oh, and I heard sounds and someone was shouting downstairs. But she, she's like saying, oh, and there was voices that I'm not familiar with. So it's just it's just so weird the way that she has has described what she saw at this very last moment before the actual case takes off. Yeah, right. Okay, well, so she heard voices. Here is what she says happens next. So I was scared and I couldn't move. I just sat in my room for a while. And then I thought I heard them all let, like leave the top floor and I peered out of my bedroom door. And a guy was there and he came at me and had string in his hands and tied my arms back and said, I have a gun behind your back. Do what I say. If you do what I say, then no one will get hurt. Where is the money? Show me where your money is. All right. That's more like it, Amanda. Back to the short grabs. Explain to me what's just occurred. Oh, there is so much going on. So first is those scared looks to uh, to Slade because yes. she's wanting him to respond and mm. she's looking at him. And then at the end there, um, those that aren't, aren't watching this film with us, uh, She's actually trying to make herself cry in those last five seconds. That 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 silence was her. Is that what it is? Really bad. That's her trying to sort of <laughs> like sort of breathe in and sort of you know that she's about to cry and she's trying to hold her back and all of this, you know. But for someone who just said a second ago, oh, but what if I forget some of this or what if I don't put it into the right order? Now she's reading a script. She knows exactly what she's saying, who was where, what he was holding, what he said, when did this guy went there, when that guy went there. She has this so set out and so 
perfect and there isn't even a hint of a stutter there's no sort of oh no hang on a sec this happened first there's no sort of change in this timeline there's not, not the natural cadence of telling things. a story like i went there's upstairs nothing. oh no hang on i went downstairs first that kind of Na narration There's that would go on when you're telling exactly. the story it does i agree with you do. it seems very very it, rehearsed it is you know and this is three hours after a major trauma so mm. we would expect her to be um oh i have no idea i heard voices and then there was someone shouting and um they grabbed me from my room and they took my parents away and i heard them shooting that's what we would expect to hear basically mm. a 30 second blah blah kind of thing of, of all these thoughts and emotions coming out but she's saying oh and then he got the strings and he tied my hands here and then he put a gun to my back and he said i've got a gun to your back and the other guy did this and you know and it's just so so well rehearsed it's quite amazing the clarity that she has that slade's like yeah no no not at all mm. well after that very long dramatic pause she continues her story I um, I have still a few, a bit of money put aside from when I was waitressing cash. So I showed him where it was and he took it and put, put it in his pocket, I think. And then that's where they, they pushed me to my parents' room and asked me where the money was there and I didn't really know. So they kind of like, one was right beside me blocking my way to the door while the other ones turned over the bed to find some more cash in my mom's bedside table. In which then they dragged me down the stairs and made me kneel at the bottom to allow me to face down on the floor while the other guy had a gun behind my head. Yeah, it's now that you've mentioned it, I can't help but hear that monotonous tone as she speaks. She did pause in there. Was she trying to cry or was she trying to remember the story? <laughs> she's trying to cry. She's really right. trying to be upset, but she's happy by what's happened. We have to remember that. Yeah, mm. she's probably sort of somehow mourning her parents, and though we know her father did survive, she is relieved because all of that lying can now stop. She's not having to um, fake all these stories about going to her piano lessons or, or going to different unis and all of this. That's all stopped. Mm. But now she has to lie to police, which she doesn't realise is just going to be a whole lot more world of hurt for her. She's not going to understand what pressure she's about to be put under going forward. But she just keeps, she, she does those look-ups and she's trying to make these tears come, but she's actually relieved. So this is why this is coming out so easily. It's because she is over what was the worst part of her life, not knowing mm. what's about to come. Okay. But we finally do get some emotion here. Let's have a look at what happens. And ask my mom where her purse was. My mom kept trying to get up, and they kept telling her to sit down. And so I didn't want her to get hurt, so I told her mom to sit down. They were trying to find her wallet. But she, her English speaker, so she kept saying first. They kept pushing her down onto the chair. Okay. Take your time. Take your time. All this is very important, so take your time. Okay, we've got some emotion. Is it real? And is he yet suspicious of her? He's doing the, he gave her a pat on the leg there. He said, take your time. 
Is he suspicious and was that real emotion? Yes, he was suspicious. No, that wasn't real emotion. She's trying and she's going into the, oh, and my mother doesn't speak English. And Mm. it's like, really, honey, if you were upset, you would be sobbing. You'd have snot coming out of your nose. You'd be wiping it on, on the sleeve of your jumper. You'd be an absolute mess right now. If you're in shock, you would still be a mess. People think that people go into this sort of um, zone where you sort of don't answer because you're numb to it all. That's not what's happening here either. It's not like this poor girl is shocked. This girl is trying to be a good actress, not realising that she was going to be in- interviewed this quickly because she was expecting them to be um, dead and gone and so then this was sort of going to be like a different part of it but she's getting interviewed straight away so she wasn't prepared to do this two hours after the death well the death of her her mum and i don't think she would have slept the night before so she's probably been up for well over 24 36 Mm. hours by now and she is she is relieved more than she is upset so he's watching for these cues she's giving them but he's just sort of just not going to go there just yet. Okay, so he's still being sympathetic while she, while he gives her enough rope to hang herself, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Well, she continues the story, this time telling how the gunman took her through the house looking for money. They kept all the lights off on the main floor. The only time there was light was when they opened the fridge door to see if they could find where my mom's purse was. I didn't, at that point, I saw three figures of men. The one with the hoodie, like the one I could see the most clearly, he had a hoodie on, and I believe he had a bandana of some sort covering from like his lower, under his eyes down. And then, for some reason, I think one of the the gentlemen asked my father if he had money in his wallet and where his wallet was. So they took me, because I was next to the stairwell, they took me up the stairs to show them where my father's wallet was, but I didn't know. They had turned the room upside down. I didn't know where his pants were at that time. And then, after they had gotten that... They had taken me and they tied me to the top of the banister. Just with one string, I could still move, but I was afraid to because the one guy just had that gun. Just she sort of just trailed off there, didn't she? Yeah, she she kind of realised that she was getting carried away with her own story, and you see her sort of stop and she shakes her head. You know, it's it's just interesting to see that. Can we see that bit again? Yeah, okay. Let's have a look at, what, the last 10 seconds or so. Let's have a look. Yep, yep. They had taken me and they tied me to the top of the banister. Just with one string, I could still move. But I was afraid to because the one guy just had that gun. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Look at the smile on your face. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) So what's happened? She's... Almost fallen over her own words there, but you said she made a mistake. So is she making a mistake with her story or what's going on? Or is she given too much? 
Yeah, yeah. What she's done is that she realised that, that she's sort of running forward a bit. So this this is what a normal person would do. A normal person would go, oh, no, hang on a sec, and they'd stop and they'd go back to mm. a section. But she sort of ran so far ahead of herself that she realises that she actually has to add in some parts of the story, which she will later. And so she realises that she's gone too far, and so she's just like, oh, oh, shit, because she was in the zone. She was completely mm. there and doing it. Again, no emotion. It's just this is what's happening. And she called them gentlemen. Yes. I mean, mm, I'm going to let that one slide. No, no. <laughs> because no, that could just be upbringing one. that you refer to people as gentlemen. And Canadians do, but you're not going to call the people who just killed your, your parents gentlemen, are you? you if you're Canadian, maybe you do. No, no. You don't. Okay. These people right. have just threatened your life. Remember, she's a victim in all of this. Mm. She would have, you know, like, 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 there's none of that trailing off of like, oh my god, and I'll never forget his voice, or you know, there's none of this. The gentleman took me into the bedroom, you know, mm. not like, oh, and I was scared for my life. I thought that they were going to attack me. Like, there's none of that. This is yeah. all because she knew exactly how this was going to happen, and it just plays out that she actually got a, a bit of a. He- a bit ahead of herself because she had a bit to say about her mobile phone that she's actually just left out. Okay. All right. Fair point. Once again, you've convinced me you are the serial killer whisperer. <laughs> you're the expert, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, look, this is what happens, her story of what happened when the gunman took her parents down to the basement. The next thing I know, I think I heard my parents going down the stairs and my mom was asking them for me to come with them. They wouldn't let me come with them. And after this, the last thing I heard them say was, you lied, you lied to us, you lied to us. I've got an idea for maybe videos going forward. We have you in a little box over the footage (laughs) and you literally have a red flag. So that every time you see a red flag, you literally put up a red flag so that myself and the video viewers can actually see that red flag go up. So you go, she says something, red flag, and then we talk about it because I know for a fact you saw a red flag in there. I certainly did, and I always do. And this is a favourite. Everyone in our Facebook groups knows this is a favourite of mine. The tissues. She hasn't touched the tissues. She is trying to cry. She is, and all I want her to do is to get that little piece of white material, whatever you want to call it, tissue, and I want to see it disintegrate. Then I will believe that you're crying. When it's still dry or not even being touched, (laughs) then there's nothing to cry about. And that's just, it's one my favorite ones and he literally bought the tissues to her yes him saying this is what you need to do this is what we expect a victim to do i've got your bottle of water and tissues and i expect you to have snot running everywhere and she has sniffed a couple of times when she's tried to make the tears come but uh yeah nothing nothing you're very very good all right (laughs) let's listen to jennifer talk about the actual shootings and then i heard two pops my mom screamed. I yelled out for her. Then a couple more pops. Take your time. Take your time. 
oh my god, Slade even in that last moment pushes the tissues towards her as she covers her yep. face. <laughs> And you know, in that clip, I could not take my eyes off the dishes, to be honest. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, literally, he's sort of handing them to her. If you are talking to someone about a death, and that's just a, that that is an offer of sympathy. That is someone saying, I totally get it. Here, have a tissue. Mm. And it's that we always do. And so he's sort of saying, you know, oh, you're going to cry. Here's the tissues. She's not interested in them. This is him. This is his red flag saying if she doesn't pick up a, a bloody tissue, I know this is fake. Yeah. He, he's sort of getting in, into it now. And it's just mm. like he's probably thinking, oh, my God, I walked in here thinking I'm talking to a victim and I'm talking to the killer. Like it's mm. just so obvious. But she keeps trying. Wow. Well, in her story, the shootings now occurred, and Jennifer now goes into clean-up mode. And I think I heard my mom say, moan or something, and then they did one more before they left, and then one of the guys said, we have to go now, it's been too long. And then they ran up the door, and I think when they were out the door, I heard my dad go up the stairs, and at that point, I had my phone in my in my on me behind me. Bit of a slip there. She seemed to do that stop mid sentence thing again. That's because all of this story is a lie. It's very mm. hard to recall something when it doesn't go the way you are because she would have been walking around probably talking to them. She was probably down in, in the basement with them. So she actually has to talk about this, and now she has said that her phone was behind her and she sort of sort of does a movement. Now, this is important because her phone, she later says, is in her pocket, and this is how they, they think they're going to catch her, but they actually don't, and that's later. I'm sorry, I've nope. just done my spoiler. I always <laughs> do it. But, but she, she has been so accurate with her story that, you know, we haven't seen a starter, we haven't seen a, a slip. There's been just those tiny ones that we've seen that now when she does make these slips – they're so obvious. And so she's realising that her story doesn't gel quite well because now she's apparently tied up and she somehow gets her phone out of her back pocket. And so mm. she has made this extra part of the story, which she now has to run with, um, and she has no idea how much that little piece is the most important part of this entire case. Fascinating. Ser seriously fascinating. Well, Slade <laughs> then asks her to go over the next part from when she had rung 911 to the actual police arriving. I was just on the phone with the secretary or the operator. I begged her not to leave me alone and that my dad was outside. I was yelling at him, but he wouldn't come in. I don't know if he didn't hear me, he didn't come in. I think he went to the local rail. And I didn't get to see my dad at all until before I left the hospital just now. How did you get free? The cop came and he snipped the two the two strings off for me. I was out asking them for so long and, and they said they couldn't untie me until they knew how to properly untie the string. For those playing at home, the tissue box still hasn't been touched. But Amanda <laughs> <laughs> that voice of hers you know, uh, uh, talking like this so that you will think I'm innocent. Um, it's an interesting play because we know 
she's a cold-blooded killer. Exactly. And there is so much like she finally has power that she hasn't had this entire time. So she actually wants to roar. She feels good. She thinks that she's going to get through this and, and that they're just going to see her as a victim and move on. Mm. The wild card is her, her dad. Now, as you heard there, they said, she said that her, her dad was outside calling for help. He had been shot multiple times and he ran from the basement to outside, unaware that she was, um, alive and upstairs he assumed that everyone was was dead and she's saying you know oh but he didn't know i was here and all of this sort of stuff but seconds ago she said that she was calling out for them so i mean i that doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense either you know but she has actually killed the person that she didn't really want to kill mum was collateral damage dad was the the object of her plan because he was the hard um parent he was the one who made sure that she did straight a's and did flute and piano lessons and all of that he was the driver he was the tiger parent and mum was just sort of a a, an extra part to this Mm -hmm. you know but she has to now deal with the fact that he has has survived this and so she's trying to mourn because she should be mourning for her mum if nothing else because she as as we said she wasn't sort of part of this but had to be you know but now she she knows that her father will be able to recall if she was tied up if she was screaming if she was around the house if she was down there laughing at at the guy shooting her, her dad we don't know what he's going to say and we don't actually ever hear about it but she is just trying so hard to be this victim and you know yep the tissues are still dry well in our next episode we will live up to the name of this show because we will hear a confession see how it all turns around from her trying to fool authorities into her giving up the game and confessing to the lot amanda this is what i'm waiting for this has been such a good episode i want to see how this turns around Oh, you have no idea what's coming. But, guys, make sure that you hear everything that she has said in this episode because the next episode they're going to get her to repeat it and we have to see how good she does that. Ah, good little tease and a bit of homework for everyone. So go and listen again. (laughs) If you've only listened to it, make sure you go and watch the video at mwm.uscreen.io. You can do that. You can just pay five bucks to see the one episode or you can subscribe with a monthly subscription to $15. And we're going to be throwing bonus episodes up there as well. So it's going to be worth your while to get that $15 subscription. In the meantime, Amanda will call it quits there and come back for the confession next week. I'm seriously excited. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be good, this one. I can't wait. It's like I wanted to keep going, but I couldn't really do an eight-hour episode. (laughs) Well, you could, but we don't. I have to stop you, naughty girl. All right, we will see you next week for Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 